Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Wow, it's been a great summer. I hope you've had a great summer. Have you had a great summer? Everybody? Yeah, good, 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 good. I can't believe it's like already almost over. It's just flown by, but it's been an awesome summer here at Rolling Hills of ministry, of missions, of camps. All kinds of great things have been happening this summer, and we celebrate today with baptism. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, We have been in a great series this summer, a series called Abraham, the Genesis of Faith. And God's been teaching us what it means to follow him, this journey of faith. We've been tracking with this guy who lived 4,000 years ago. 4,000 years ago, but, but it was the beginning of faith. It was a journey. And, and God called this guy Abraham, and, and, and he was living in the earth of the Chaldeans. He was kind of far from God, but he heard God's voice, and he followed. He put his hand in God's hand, and God used him to impact the world. In fact, he's known as the father of three major world religions, right? Judaism, Christianity, and even Islam would go back and trace back all the way to Abraham. So we've seen some amazing, amazing truths this summer about what it means for us to follow, what it means for us to live this life of faith. Now there's three truths that I hope you hold on to that you just kind of pack away. One of them is this, is that God called Abram, even when he was in the Ur of Chaldeans, which was way far away, even when he was living in a land of idol worship, God called him by name and invited him on this journey. And he left, he went a thousand miles all the way to the promised land, to this land of Canaan that God had said, hey, I want you to come here. And what's powerful about that, and what I hope you remember is this, is is that that is the same God who calls you. Sovereign God knows your name. Sovereign God has a plan for you. And God's inviting you to put your hand in his and follow him. So never forget that God is sovereign. God's in control. It's God who's inviting you. The second truth I think that's so powerful that we've seen is this, is that Abraham realized that it wasn't about the destination. It was about the relationship. And sometimes we can forget that, right? Abraham at 75 years old didn't come into the to land and just go, okay, good. I'm here. Peace out, God. I'll do my own thing. I'll build my own business. You know, I kind of got this thing going. He was like, okay, God, I'm here. Let me build an altar and worship. (laughs) Because God, I know it's you. And I'm going to trust in you. Everywhere and every day, I'm going to follow you. See, what can happen in our lives sometimes, right? We pray about something. And we go, God, I'm praying about this job. I'm I'm praying about this, you know, relationship, this boyfriend, this girlfriend, or this marriage. I'm praying about this child. And we pray and pray and pray. And what can happen is then when God answers the prayer, we can turn and begin to worship that. We can turn and put all of our energy there and go, see you, God, I've got this. And God's going, whoa, 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 there's more to come. You hold on to me. You trust me. And Abraham did. And the question is, will we? The other thing I hope and pray you'll take with you is this, is that God will always fulfill his promises. God will always fulfill his promises, but in his timing. In his timing. Now hold on to that truth because, see, God made a commitment to Abraham. He invited him into this covenant relationship. And God says, hey, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And Abraham says, sounds great. That's awesome. But I'm 75 and I don't have a son. And so he waited. And he waited. And he waited. And he waited 25 years. And God came through. (laughs) God always comes through. We live in an instant gratification society, right? We, we want it now. We're like, I prayed about that. Where, 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 God, where are you? You know, I mean, I prayed about it this morning and it's not done. And God's going, whoa, it's my timing. Trust me. 
And so the two questions that I think we always have to ask ourselves is this. Are we making plans and then asking God to bless them? Or are we following God on his agenda? Are we making plans and then asking God to bless them? Or are we saying, okay, God, I'll follow. I'll trust. I'll believe. One step at a time. I'll follow you. Second question from this series that I hope just resonates in your heart and your mind is this. Do, do you love God or just his blessings? Do, do you love God or just his blessings? Abraham had a lifelong journey. Abraham followed. Abraham trusted. Abraham believed. And God did a great and mighty work through him. And that's what God wants to do through you. If you have a Bible with you today, I invite you to open it with me to Genesis 25, uh, last verses that we're going to see in this series, Genesis 25, first book of the Bible. We've been tracking through Genesis 12 all the way to 25, kind of walking verse by verse through so much of this incredible text for us. Uh, if you're watching online, hey, get a Bible or pull it up on your phone, but here we'll put it on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you or we've got free Bibles in the back. But I want you to see this today because there's some amazing truths as we've been looking in the Old Testament and seeing the ramifications in the New Testament and seeing how they all tie together, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and then seeing what God's saying to us in our lives today. So pick up here, Genesis 25, look at verse 7. Altogether, Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age. An old man full of years. And he was gathered to his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machlapah, near Mamre, in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hittite, in the field Abraham had bought from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who then lived near Beer Laharai. You know what? You look at this and you see this that Abraham died in peace. 175 years, and he did it right. He did it well, and he died at peace. He died at peace with God. He died at peace with his family. He died at peace with himself. I mean, he died at peace, and God had made that promise to him. If you go back to Genesis 15, in Genesis 15, when God invited Abraham into this covenant, and God said, hey, Abraham, listen, I'm going to bless you. You know, I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky. I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you. I will curse Abraham. I'm going to even enter into a covenant relationship. And back then, they would cut animals in two, and they would walk between both parties, basically saying, if we break this covenant, may this happen to us. And to think about sovereign God of the universe entered into that covenant relationship with Abraham. And God told Abraham, he said, Abraham, you will die at peace. In Genesis 15, 15, you go back and read it. You will die at peace at a good old age and be gathered to your fathers. And God fulfilled his promise. Isn't that what we want to do? Whenever our time is up and we're all going to die, we don't like to talk about it, but it's all true, right? I mean, the mortality rate today, it's 100%. So at some point, and I pray many years to come, right, way down the road, that, that when we are in a bed, we can just be there with peace. Okay, I did it right. I did it well. It wasn't perfect. Abraham made some mistakes, big one, right? You know, that we're still seeing the ramifications today, but I'm at peace. You talk to hospice nurses and they'll tell you, it's different watching somebody die who has faith in God from somebody who has no faith. 
And boy, that's the moment of truth, right? Can I be at peace? Can I be at peace? The second thing you see about Abraham when he died is this, is that Abraham died full of years, full of life. We don't know how many years we have on this earth. But it's what we do with those years, right? And for 75 years, he was in the earth of the Chaldeans. But the 100 years that he lived with God and walked with God, man, he lived it. I mean, he lived it. Martin Luther King Jr., only 39 years on this earth. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, only 39 years on this earth. JFK, 46 years. Abraham Lincoln, 56 years. But you know what? They lived it. And what kind of legacy are you leaving? What kind of legacy am I leaving? It's not about the years. It's about what we do with the years. It's about the difference that we make right here, right now. Because after we die, we have eternal life with God. Praise God, you know, if you were in Christ. But it's what you do now, how you live now, that's passed on. That's passed down. And what I love too is it says he was gathered to his people. You know, he was buried by his wife, Sarah. And back then when, you know, you were wealthy, people had multiple wives and they had concubines and all this. And, and Abraham was like, okay, you do whatever. But you see, I believe God created man and woman and I'm going to stick with Sarah. All my years, all my days, I'm, I'm just going to stay. I'm going to be with her. That's, that's what I believe in the sanctity of marriage and that commitment, that relationship. I love that. And then there's Isaac and Ishmael. Both are there. I mean, even in the challenges they faced, it was like, hey, I'm going to be gathered to my people. I want to, I want to invest in the people around me. I want to have a, have a great family or a future family that lives for the glory of God. I want to make a difference. See, Abraham was incredible, right? And there's so many things about him that, that we go, wow, I can learn from this. I, I can apply this to my life. I mean, one, he was wealthy. I mean, he was super wealthy back then. God had blessed him, but Abraham didn't let wealth control him. You know, he's the first one that we see who tithed, who gave his first 10% back to God. Remember Melchizedek, the high priest? He, he trusted God. He's like, God, you've given me all this, men servant, maid servants, livestock and all, but, but God, I trust you. It all comes from you and I want to glorify you. And, and we see that with him. We, we see that he's, you know, the leading us to Christ, leading us to the Messiah. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We see that he's in the faith hall of fame. You know, there's a faith hall of fame in the Bible. You know, like there's a pro football hall of fame in Canton, Ohio. There's a faith hall of fame right here in Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, there's Abraham by faith. By faith, Abraham going but not knowing. By faith, Abraham walking with God. By faith, Abraham, by faith. This was that genesis of faith, this call of faith, this trust of faith. But you know what I think makes Abraham really special? Turn with me over to James, New Testament. James chapter two, and look at verse 23. Check this verse out, look. It says, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now that's our scripture memory verse for this series, Genesis 15, 6, all the way back to Genesis, first book of the Bible. Here we see it again in James in the New Testament. God has been writing a journey of faith. It's about trusting him. But then I love this last part. Look at this. And he was called God's friend. <laughs> and he was called God. How awesome. At the end of your life, you know, people could say whatever they want to, but, but how awesome to say, hey, he was called God's friend. Hey, she's God's friend. Aren't you thankful for the friends in your life? Aren't you thankful for the people who've been there? I've been blessed to have great friends and 
high school and I keep up with in college. You know, I still keep up with these guys. And, and, and many of you are my friends today. I, I'm thankful for my parents. You know, there came a time when as a kid, then your parents become your friends. You know, how cool is that? I'm thankful for my wife, who's my best friend, you know. We've been married 16 years. I dated for three years before that. We've been together a long time, and, and I'm so thankful for her. Um, somebody once said, a friend is somebody who walks in when everybody else is walking out. A friend is somebody who walks in when everybody else is walking out. And you know how cool it is that Abraham would say, hey, I've had a lot of friends, I've had a lot of people, but my best friend's God. And God would say, hey, that's my friend. And that's what God wants for us. How amazing would it be for us if we lived that way and just said, that's my friend. God's my friend. And I'm putting my hand in his and I'm following and I'm trusting and I'm living my life for him. That's what God's inviting you to. And that's my prayer for you. So how do we become a friend of God? How do we become a friend of God? Because I think it's a process, it's a journey. Number one, if you're taking notes, is this. You have a relationship with God, a personal relationship. Enter into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, his son. You know, Abraham knew God personally, right? Abraham was able to hear God's voice even when he was in the Ur of the Chaldeans. And, and that represents our old life. That represents the world. That represents the idols. They, but, but Abraham heard God's voice. Abraham heard God's voice when he came in to the promised land. Abraham heard God's voice when he entered in there and God would speak to him. He heard God's voice because he had a personal relationship with God. See, there's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone, right? You could say, hey, I, I know LeBron James. Yeah, I know LeBron James. You know, I know his basketball stats. I know, you know, I mean, his free throw percentage. I know about the decision, right? I mean, I, I know, LeBron. no, you don't. <laughs> Somebody could say, I know Julia Roberts, right? I know this movie she was in. No, you really don't. We don't, right? You're a fan, not a friend. But when you're a friend, you know their heart. <laughs> when you're a friend, you know what makes them laugh and what makes them cry. When you're a friend, they know you. And they know what you desire and they know what you love and they know what you like. There's a friendship. And a lot of people know about God. I mean, statistically, 96% of the people in the world would say, oh yeah, there's a God <laughs> or a higher power or a bigger being or something because I look at the universe and I realize, hey, this all didn't just happen, right? I've got a digestive system. I've got a brain. I've got eyes. And this didn't just come to be. But how many people really know God? <laughs> Not just know about God, but know Him. It's a personal relationship. And there's a lot of people who want to date God you know, hey, God, I'll show up every now and then. You know, you and I are cool. We'll hang out, you know. But when you date somebody, I mean, you can be shallow. You can be on the surface. You can date multiple people, right? But God's looking for a commitment. And there's a difference between dating and there's a difference in marriage. When you step over that line and say, yeah, I'm going to follow. I'm going to trust. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, this is by grace you've been saved through what? Faith. That's right. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. I mean, it's a gift from God. It's not by works, lest no man should boast. It's sovereign God who is inviting you into this relationship with him. But at some point, you respond to his grace through faith. 
Many times people go, well, I got to have it all figured out. I got to know all these things. And you're going, look, he's God, okay? That's why it's faith. There's a part of trusting. There's a part of being obedient. There's a part of growing and learning about him. But you enter into that relationship with him. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. A couple of weeks ago on a Sunday morning after the service, there was a guy who came down here. I came down off the stage and he comes up to me. He's like, I want that. I was like, what? You know, he's like, no, no, I want that. I want, I want what you were talking about. I want that. That's what's missing in my life. And he said, you know, I grew up and I went to church off and on, but, you know, I knew a lot about God. I knew some Bible stories. I went to VBS, but, but he said, here I am in my 30s, but I've never done that. I don't have that kind of relationship. I want to be a Christian. I'm like, okay. He said, what do I do? I'm like, hey, you believe. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised her for the dead. You will be saved. And I said, but that's the beginning of the journey. He goes, that's what I want. He goes, that's what I'm missing. He said, my marriage has been crazy. I've tried everything. He said, but I want, and I was like, yes, you do. Right here. And we prayed right here, standing there arm in arm and prayed. And you could just see God working in his life. You could see the change in his heart. And I looked at him and I just thought, wow, what God is going to do in him. And what God's going to do in his marriage. And what God's going to do in his kids. And what God's going to do in generations. Because here's a guy who doesn't want to just say, I don't want to know about God. I want to know God. And through Jesus, I want to have a relationship with him. And then he said, after we prayed, he goes, that, that what I do. I'm like, you be baptized, right? In the Old Testament, the covenant was circumcision. That was the outward manifestation of it. But in the New Testament, through Christ, it's baptism. You're dying your old way of life. And you're being raised to walk a new life. He's like, let me know. I'm there, you know. And I'm like, yeah. It's just so exciting as you see life change. And if you've been coming, somebody invited you. You know what? God brought you here for a reason. And God knows your name. And God is inviting you and God is extending his hand to you. Will you respond to him? Not just keep him at arm's length, not just stiff farming, you know, and kind of do your own thing. But would you follow? Would you trust? Would you take that step of faith? The second thing is this, you grow in your relationship. You grow in your relationship. Abraham continued to grow. Abraham continued to follow. He didn't just make it to the destination Right? And then peace out, God. No, he made it and then continued to trust and continued to grow. You know when you have a friend that you've had for a long time and you spend time together, but you know them so well that you can finish like each other's sentences? You know what I'm talking about? And you, you laugh about the same things. You could quote the same movies. You start a movie quote and they finish the movie quote. You're just like, you just have that kind of relationship, right? Now, how did that relationship happen? takes time. As any relationship, it takes time to grow deep roots. It takes time to grow deep roots. So let me ask you this. How much time do you spend with God? How much time do you spend with God? Uh, see, I'm so glad that you're here today. I'm glad I'm here today because I mean, this is the first part of the week. This is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. This is the come and worship. This is dedicating the first part of the week to the Lord. This is us being in the word. This is us growing in our worship. And we need this. This is important. But if you just come on Sunday and then say, hey, God, I'll see you next week. Well, I can't be here next week. I'm out of town. You know, all right, I'll see you in two weeks. I got work thing. I'll see you in a month. I'll see you. You're, you're not going to grow, right? You're going to get these short 
little injections, but you have got to start growing. And spiritual growth happens not just on Sunday, but on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday. And it's following and it's trusting. It's learning to read God's word and God's word is for you. I mean, you could open this right here and you could put two, put your name, love God. Because this is God's love letter to you. This is God saying, I want you to know my heart. I want you to know what I love. I want you to know my desires. I want you to know how I want you to live. And and I've I've laid it out for you. And for you and I to say, okay, hey, we're going to start reading a chapter a day. We're going to start reading, taking a daily step. Or we're going to start diving into God's word each day. And then we're going to pray. And prayer is not just talking to God. We kind of do that a lot, right? My prayer life is, help. (laughs) God, I'm in trouble. (laughs) But prayer is also listening. Have you ever just sat down and said, okay, God, no agenda. <laughs> what do you want to say today? Because I want to hear from you. God, I'm here. I, I believe, and I know that I, God will speak. And not all the time is it an audible voice. But it's the still small voice of God. And you hear in your heart. And then you start to grow. And the things that are dear to the heart of God become the things that are dear to your heart. And the things that God loves become the things that you love. (laughs) And you start developing this relationship as you grow deeper and deeper in your faith with Him. Do you spend time with God? Are you learning to hear his voice? The third thing is this, you consistently do God's will. You consistently do God's will. See, this is what separated Abraham, all right? Now we're moving into the deeper end of the pool, right? Abraham, he heard from God, but he responded to God, right? He heard from God, and then he did what God wanted him to do. And a lot of times I believe people, you know, they hear from God and they're like, yeah, no way, God. You know, uh-uh. I, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to leave there the Chaldeans. I'm not going to leave where it's comfortable. I'm not going to leave my kind of like idol workshop here. I got this thing going, you know. And, 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 but God's going, no, trust me. Follow me. Walk with me. If you go back to James, right before it's, he's called a friend of God, it says this in James 2.20. You foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. His faith was made complete by what he did. Yeah, I believe God and I'll follow Yes, I believe God and I'll be baptized. Yes, I believe God and I'll serve. Yes, I believe God and I'll give. Yes, I believe God and I'll go. Yes, I believe God and I'll pray. It, it goes hand in hand. Have you ever had those friends who say they're going to be there for you, but they don't ever show up? Don't you want a friend who's there in word, but also in deed? Don't you want a friend who who's gonna do the things that you need. When you ask somebody to help you to move, they're like, yeah, sure, I'll be there. (laughs) Right, they don't ever show, and you're like, come on, man. You really my friend? 
But aren't you thankful for the people who show up even when you don't ask? <laughs> when you're sick and they come by or they drop you an email or a text at just the right time. God does that. But will we? Will we respond? Will we follow? Will we trust? Will we be obedient? Here's what Oswald Chambers wrote. And this is so powerful. Oswald Chambers, who only lived 43 years, but man, he walked with God, okay? Here's what he wrote. He said, the golden rule to obtain spiritual understanding is not one of intellectual pursuit, but one of obedience. If a person wants scientific knowledge, then intellectual curiosity must be his guide. But if he desires knowledge and insight into the teachings of Jesus Christ, he can only obtain it through obedience. If spiritual things seem dark and hidden to me, then I can be sure that there is a point of disobedience somewhere in my life. Hold on. I'm going to run that by you again, okay? Because that was pretty powerful right there. If spiritual things seem dark and hidden to me, then I can be sure that there is a point of disobedience somewhere in my life. If you feel like you're hitting a barrier with God, if you feel like, man, you know what, I'm just not going past this point, I'm not growing past this point, then it's time to be introspective and say, God, have you been calling me to do something and I've been saying no? God, have you been speaking to me about something and I've been disobedient there? I don't know what it is. I mean, but I know for all of us, there'll come that time, it's, It's like you grow to a certain point and then when you're not obedient, you kind of stay there and you hover. And that's why we talk about rolling hills all the time. Take a next step. It's a next step of faith. It's a next step of growth, right? And and whether it's baptism and then following that, you know, it's serving and following that, it's being in a, a community group or being around a group of believers or following that, you know, it's learning to feed yourself and diving in to God's word. But you never stop growing, Because God is always moving and God is always inviting us to follow. So are you consistently doing God's will? Number four is this, you make God the priority of your life. You make God the priority of your life. Not a priority, the priority. You know, when the call came to Abraham in Genesis 22 and said, Abraham, you know, I've given you Isaac, the promise, and now I want you to take your son and offer him back to me on an altar. Now, I'm telling you, Genesis 22 is like one of the hardest passages for me. Any parent here, you just kind of go, whoa, wow. That's tough. That's tough. But it says that Abraham, early the next morning, got up. Early the next morning. He didn't wait around. He didn't make excuses. He didn't look for other options. He just said, okay, God, I don't know. I don't know how else is going to go down. I don't understand it. It tells us in Hebrews that he believed so much that God would just take care of Isaac, spare Isaac. He, he knew it. He's on his way, but he knows I'm going, but God's got a bigger plan here. And I'm gonna trust God in this. And even when he gets up there to the altar and even when he puts his own son on the altar and then before anything could happen, right, he sees this ram caught in the thicket, you know, and the Lord stays his hand and says, no, 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 the Lord will provide. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. But the question comes to every one of us. Is there something else in our life that's become the priority over God? Is there anything in your life that's become more important to you than God? And it can be a good thing. I mean, it could be money. Now, money's not bad, money's not good, but there's a lot of people 
especially in our culture, man, who live their lives for money. And they're going to sacrifice anything else before that. And maybe it's a job or a career or a relationship. But is there anything that becomes more important to you than God? Several weeks ago, there was a guy who came up to me afterwards. He said, Pastor Jeff, I got to tell you. He said, you know my story. You know, I didn't grow up really going to church. He said, you know, about six or seven years ago, when we started coming to Rolling Hills, when God just changed my life. And he said, but it's been a struggle. And he said, and honestly, I, I've, I've always been living for my job. He said, I, I've always been a high performer. That's kind of me. But he said, it was powerful this week. We had an executive coach come in. And all of our leadership team was there. And the first thing that this coach said, this leadership coach, they, they said, everybody take out a piece of paper. And they said, I want you to write down the most important thing in your life. And he said, before, I would, have, I, would have, I would have written down career. I would have written down job. He said, I'm there with all of our board, all of our leadership people. And he said, and, and I, immediately, that's where my mind was. My wife knows it. My kids know it. But, but he said, I started to write that down and I stopped. And I realized that that wasn't the most important thing anymore. And he said, and then I started thinking about my family. And I, I thought, yeah, my, my marriage and my my kids. And he goes, and right there, he goes, I started to cry. He goes, it was the strangest thing. He goes, I know all my coworkers are looking at me, but I, I couldn't hold it. And he goes, and now I have this moment, my hand's shaking, and I literally wrote down God. And he goes, I just had to come and tell you because that's never happened to me before, but something has changed in my life, and God's become the priority. And I got to tell you, it's changed everything in me. And he was so excited about it, and I was like, yes. You see, I think there comes for every one of us that call. There's different seasons in our lives where there's other things that want to come in and become the God little G of our lives. And we got to say, no, 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 no. I'm following God, the God. And he is the priority of my life. And I'm going to trust him. The fifth one is this, is that you rest in God's love. You rest in God's love for you. You know how when you're with your best friend, you can be real. You know how when you're with your best friend, you don't have to put on a show. You don't have to fake it. You just are who you are. And you can be honest and you can laugh and you can cry and you can talk about the hard things and you can talk about struggles. You, you, you can just be real. You know what? Abraham got to that point with God and that's where God wants you to be. He wants you to be authentic. He wants you to be genuine. He wants you to be real. And there's a God who's drawing you to himself. And when you and I get to that point where we have that confidence with God, that we can just rest in the fact that God loves me, that God is for me, that God won't give up on me, that God's always gonna be there for me, that changes everything. And I'm not living my life for what other people think. I'm not living my life for, you know, what the world is gonna say. I'm living my life for him. And there's a confidence that grows in me as I just understand, hey, I may not know everything, but I know this, I'm God's friend. And God is with me. And God will never ever, ever let me go. And my girls, we, uh, we love to go hiking. And there's so many great places to go hiking around here. And we've done that since they were little. We'd always like to go out, Lisa and I and the girls. And, and uh, the other day we were hiking and Lisa uh, took this shot from behind. And, and, and I just love this. Because every time we go for a hike, you know, my girls will run up and they'll grab my hands. 
And now my hands start to get higher because they're getting taller. <laughs> but the incredible thing is even if it's an old trail or if it's a new trail and they don't have a, a clue of where we're going, they know this, that they're with their daddy. <laughs> and it's gonna be okay. And we just keep walking and we keep talking and we keep laughing. Are you a friend of God? Has there been a time that you just said, man, I'm gonna follow it, I'm gonna trust everything in me for him. I believe Abraham's laying on his deathbed <laughs> and Abraham just reaches up and God just reaches down and says, Abraham, I'm taking you home. And he steps across death and into eternal life. And there's a peace and there's a trust. Wherever you lead God, that's where I'm going. You know, the greatest legacy that Abraham leaves is this, is that he points us to Jesus. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says in John chapter 15, look at verse 13. It says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Now think about that for a moment. You did not choose me, Jesus said, I chose you. Jesus chose you. Jesus knows your name. And today, Jesus just extends that hand. And he says, will you follow? Will you trust? Will you allow me to be the Lord of your life and the joy of your heart? And he says, I've appointed you to bear fruit. That's to leave a legacy. That's to make a difference fruit that will last. Jesus, on the night that he's betrayed, he brought his disciples together and he goes, guys, you're, you're not just disciples, you're my friends. And he took bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it and he said, guys, this is my body broken for you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Have you ever thought about this? that there's somebody who died for you, who literally died for you so that you could have eternal life with God. That's how much Jesus loves you. And after supper, he took the cup. He said, here's the new covenant of faith, of trust. My blood poured out for you. I paid the price. I've made the way. I'm offering the invitation Will you put your hand in mine? So this morning he comes to us, not just as his disciples, but if you're in Christ, as his friends. There are tables that are set up. There's a gluten-free table over here. There's two tables on the side. There's two tables in the back. And he invites you this morning to come. To come to the table, to take a piece of the bread, Christ's body broken for you, to dip into the cup, his blood poured out for you and to receive the gift that only God could give. The gift of life, the gift of hope, 
the gift of love. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for Jesus and the hope that we have in Christ and in Christ alone. Thank you for the example of Abraham, this man who lived 4,000 years ago, but who followed, who trusted you. And God, you did a great work in his life. And God, that's what you want to do in us. Give us the confidence to grow in our relationship with you. Give us the joy in the journey. Help us to rest in your love for us, Father, to know that you're always going to be there and you'll never let us down. And so this morning, God, we respond to you. We come to your table. This is your invitation to take a piece of the bread, your body broken for us, to dip into the cup, your blood poured out for us and to receive what only you can give. Help us to come this morning with a grateful heart and to come with a commitment of faith that we will follow, we will trust, we will believe. And we will live our lives as friends of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we come. Amen. You're invited to come to his table.